This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at three totally different films. One about a rather offbeat family travelling in Iran, in Hit the Road. The elderly Gerard Depardieu as the famous French detective Maigre. And a documentary about a couple of intrepid scientists who die together in a volcanic explosion in Fire of Love. Hit the road follows a tender but chaotic family that is driving across a rugged landscape in Iran on a rather mysterious mission. Sue Freeman's been off to the Lumia Cinema to see this drama with a very vague plot that can also be quite funny. Uh, Sue, it took me quite a long time to figure out where these people were going and what the movie was really all about. What did you think of Hit the Road? Well, I, I, I thought it was more a comedy than a drama, but I guess it was... I thought it was a wonderful insight, actually, into Iranians and how they think in their life and the glimpses of the countryside. That alone is worth going to it for. But the story was really touching because they had these two children. One was in his 20s and the other mm. one was this six precocious six-year-old yeah. six who blurted out everything to everyone. And it was quite clear that... <laughs> he was greatly acted, oh, that boy, young boy. Was he was amazing. He was an amazing little actor. But the, and the, 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 char- the actor that played the role of the 20-year-old son um, was a very quiet, sensitive... Yeah, he hardly sort of, said... Hardly said a thing. But, thing. Yeah. And the father was controlling him all the way. Did you notice that? When yes, they pulled over, um, and then they'd start up again, he'd say, seatbelt on, ignition on, blinker on look over your shoulder. Every single time when they sat off, the father in the back seat would say, seatbelt on, ignition <laughs> on, blinker on. Yeah. And so this this 20-year-old was being very directed by his father. And mm. they would the, the son was clear, this 20-year-old son was out on bail and the parents had, had put their house up to pay for the bail payment. Yeah, yeah. And they were getting, they were, he was going to escape out of the country. I kind of lost it a bit when they were talking about yeah, well, buying a sheepskin. I thought, is that code but for... I don't think it was until much later that that was explained about him escape, going to escape the country. Uh, yeah, well, there, it was there was said, a mention amongst the family by mum and all was about the older boy um, wanting to go somewhere else and meet someone to marry them. But, of course, this turns out to be false... Uh, 
that was just to keep the little six-year-old because oh yeah that because he blurted out whenever they stopped he was he was ready to give the whole family's history in one fell swoop you know yeah. three sentences so <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, couldn't yeah. possibly have told him yeah and he he yeah, he was because, a wonderful uh, mm. little actor that boy but I thought the parents were very good because the camera was quite often just sitting on the father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had one broken leg in, yeah. in a th- very thick plaster, very thick plaster with a cell phone tucked down the front, <laughs> yeah. and they weren't. And the escape, the people that were organising the escape, had clearly said no cell phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The little boys one they had to bury along the way. Yeah, <laughs> it was a really. But you, you sort of thought, well, gosh, this must be this must be a scenario that actually. I got the feeling this is something that actually happens in Iran. Well, the way these people feel. I mean, they were all feeling very uncomfortable about something. Well, they didn't want to be followed because Mm. they were trying to get this 20-year-old boy out of the country. Yeah. Um, And, of course, they could not even discuss, as you say, because of the little boy. Yeah, because of the little boy. Couldn't discuss it amongst themselves. No. And And so the audience doesn't hear either. And they say, oh, I think we're being followed, remember? And then they pulled over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was air conditioning. And the father in the back saying, I told you it was air conditioning. They thought yeah. it was fuel. It was, yeah, it was, uh, I, and I, I thought it was quite refreshing to see the sort of humour and the dialogue between the characters. You know, you sort of, it, I really felt you got a bit of an insight into the mm. way Iranians think. Their humour is slightly different. What they laugh at is clearly <laughs> not exactly what we laugh at. You yeah. know, you don't call yeah. your son, little six-year-old a little fart in this country. <laughs> well, you don't. Well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the this is the fascinating thing, and and the um, the the father in 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 the car, um, he's also under a ten-year um, home house arrest instead of being locked up in jail, he's, he's been not allowed out of his own home for 10 years. The father? Now, yes. The fa- well, you don't find that out in the movie. Oh, no, that's in there somewhere. There's some sort of vague mentions at some stage there. But, uh, yeah, you see, but there's lots of things that are just vaguely mentioned. Yeah. And oh, oh, the, you hear the son, uh, the father complaining about being in there for 10 years for some yeah. reason and this sort of thing. And, um, and you get all these sort of things that... Um, so what's a father? What's happened? What's a, why is a father? Um, yeah, maybe that's what the father's sort of not happy about. Or why? Yeah. What did he do for this? But this then brings us to the actual point of this film: that this young, this man who directed the film, Panah Panahi, yeah. um, he, he's a he, he's a young man. Um, so his first and movie. it's his, his first mm. feature film that he's. And directed. his father was a yeah, and yeah, and and, and the father was um, well, he's still considered the greatest uh, living Iranian director. Right. And now the sons are coming, but here is the fascinating thing about this: why this son now deliberately has not given away any information or as little information about anything as he can to, throughout the film, which makes it not just leaves the people within the film unknowing, but also the audience yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but the point is, um, so what? what, is there some reason why the um, 
young film director has chosen not to give out this uh, all the explanations for where are they going and why are they yeah. going and all this, you know, and there's never any direct explanations. No, and you and don't then, even know why he has to leave the country yeah. and why was yeah. he under bail conditions yeah. anyway. Yeah. That's not yeah. mentioned at yeah. all. Yeah. And then there's, um, but here, here comes the whole point then. It's the director's father, who was, used to be the top film maker yeah. in in Iran. Uh, he's um, he was has been barred from making any more film movies due to the uh, the government um, the government regime ruling um, to a government ruling that found the father guilty of um, spreading anti-government propaganda. So they've stopped him making movies. Right. And now the son comes along. Mm. Okay, he wants to make movies, but he feels if he wants to continue making movies, he can't do what his father did and give away critical information about the government or cr yeah. critical comment on the government yeah. because they'll kick him out also like his father right. uh, out of do, making any movies. And I think actually they want this the old, the father there to leave the country itself also. And uh, this is in, in the real-life aspect of this. And... Um, so it's almost autobiographical, you're saying, because the young yeah. man sitting at the wheel is like the young movie director and the father sitting in the back directing the son is maybe telling us <laughs> that actually the father is pulling the strings behind. I thought it was also interesting that the mother showed her hair in light of what's just happened in Iran with the, um, the, that young woman that's been killed because she exposed too much hair by the Mm. Morality yeah. police. Look at the mother in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Anyway, it's it's a fascinating it's, film yes. as long as you understand why this film is made yeah. the way it is. That it couldn't be made any other way. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's um, but and well it's, all the information seeing. is hidden away in there somewhere. Mm. But you, well uh, worth seeing. Probably have to see it twice. Together. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's worth seeing, yeah. but it's not easy stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was Sue Freeman with her views on Hit the Road, and I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. Their only link is that they were walking through Montmartre after dark. He leaves no witnesses. He makes no mistakes. There's been another one, Chief. Your man again, there, Greg. Two stab wounds, one to the back of the neck, one to the chest. In the French whodunit Maigret, Gerard Depardieu plays the now elderly detective who tries to understand what actually happened to a young woman who was found dead in a street in Paris. Robin Munro has been off to the Lumiere cinema to see this thoughtful drama with a sombre but kind hearted sleuth. Robin, what did you think of Depardieu as Maigret? Uh, I, I hadn't known Maigret really before, so I, I was I was quite fascinated by him. He's sort of a shuffling, rambling man who who struggles to get up the stairs, um, but he still <laughs> well, he's has supposed to be somewhat older than your normal detective. Yes, <laughs> but he's but he's still uh, got a lot of charisma and. Uh, I, th I, th I think you said they're thoughtful. It, it's quite a thoughtful film. You know, a lot of uh, police movies have car chases or train chases or, you shootings. know, shootings and all. <laughs> yeah. there, there is none of that here. And actually, uh, he, he so 
solves the, the problem himself rather than using a whole lot of colleagues and so on to find out various things. He goes and questions people and he listens and he's, he is very thoughtful. And he's, he even says that, you know, rather than force people to talk, he tries to encourage mm. them to talk well, and they will reveal. Yeah. Well, he's got a few things on his mind about other people he knows. He's had, has just had a daughter who died recently and this young woman who they found dead in the street. Now, this reminds him there. And then later on, he meets another young woman and uh, she somehow reminds him of someone in the family who's also died and this sort of thing. And so you get, for these reasons, these bring back old memories to him. And this is why he cares so much to find out who this young woman actually is, because that's the difficulty. They don't know what her name is or mm-hmm. anything. And then he feels he can't get her buried if they can't put a name on her. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, yeah, it, th- there's a lot of interesting details. Like I think uh, they, they examine her clothes and not only does that lead them in some ways to identify who she was, um, but they also notice that most of her stuff is very cheap and low quality, but the shoes are a little bit later. I don't think that they are a little bit better than the quality of her other clothing. I don't oh, yeah. know whether they link that to that, but he he also sort of has this vision of young women who want to come to Paris. And another woman that he does meet, she uh, mm. lived in a district where they made shoes. And her parents oh, right. worked in the yeah. shoe factory, and she even had a job there. But she she didn't want that. She wanted to come to Paris, but unfortunately, the these uh, dreams of uh, you know making it in Paris uh, don't work out for all these girls, and uh, perhaps they're a little bit uh, too naive to cope in the city. But the city is also quite harsh to them in many ways. Mm. Yeah, it's um, well. This is uh, definitely based on one of Georges uh, Simenon's um, novels, uh, which are French whodunit books um, about Maigret. This one was called Maigret et la Jeune Mort. Well, that's basically Maigret and the Young Death, mm-hmm. and uh, so and that's what we. Definitely get here. It's, it's just nice to go back. I mean, the inter- sort of the interesting thing about putting this film together is it's set back in Paris in 1953, and they've sort of recaptured um, part of Paris in this way. And of course, the clothes that they wear are clothes um, of um, that long ago, mm-hmm. and so on. So, in that sense, it's quite a, 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 enjoyable to watch. Yes, as it slowly sort of plods along with him because he is a very slow plodder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I think this is, um, you know, I mean, we've always had our own uh, English uh, whodunit writers and all this sort of thing. Conan, well, Sherlock Holmes and and Hercule Poirot are the uh, sort of English creations that we know yeah. best. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and so you know, but of course, other countries. Um, have done just as well, and they have usually been just as popular with their movie versions of this uh, uh, films. Because, I mean, the interesting thing about um, um, Jules Maigret, the detective in this film, um, he's been portrayed in films a surprisingly large number of times more than we in, uh, possibly aware of in England, in, in English-speaking countries. But in France, they've now, he's now been portrayed by six different actors, 
and in English language productions by five different men, <laughs> <laughs> including Rowan Atkinson, who claims to have been playing <laughs> Maigret. And, um, and the, the, there's also individual um, productions have come from Italy and Russia and Germany and Japan. So, you know, this, this he, film He has universal on. appeal. Oh, you see, I think you could say that. Yeah, <laughs> it always surprises me how these whodunit films do so well. I mean, to me, they basically always follow the same formula. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, again, what what people like about it. They feel it's quite secure following this plot and they know at the end they're going to get the answer. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, a little pleasure. Yes, yeah, that's a good, good description. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Robin. That was Robin Munro with his views on Maigret. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. I also thank this show's sponsor, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers, one word, .co.nz. This is Katya, and this is Maurice. (laughs) Tomorrow will be their last day. They will leave behind hundreds of hours of footage, thousands of photos, and a million questions. In the documentary, Fire of Love, two intrepid scientists who are also lovers die in a volcanic explosion doing the very things that brought them together. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Academy Cinema to see this fascinating film which captures some of the most explosive images ever recorded. Carolyn, this film can be quite moving also. What did you think of Fire of Love? Oh, it had me so upset that I dreamt about volcanoes last night. The Port Hills exploded and we couldn't get away from them. Oh, um, no, it was fascinating. They're not going to make a movie about that, are they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, no, it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. It was so good to like spend an hour and a half just completely out of your own field and watching these two completely, you called them crazy? I call them crazy passionate. But um, experts in their field and the the footage that they took is just unbelievable. It's amazing. And in full knowledge that their lives were in danger whenever they got close to a... Yeah, volcano. volcano. Yeah, they took that risk. And this is it. They sometimes knew beforehand that a volcano was about to erupt and they'd make a point of getting up there as close to it as possible beforehand to get their photo photographs But you could argue, you could either argue there was... They were very good at their job because they weren't oh. killed straight off, <laughs> like they did this for decades. So they must have known what they were doing, or were they just playing Russian roulette all the time with the with the volcanoes? But yeah. um, their work has been uh, is used and it has set the um is helped save lives, um, and that's something this documentary points out how they do about that. That their work really was vital, and I guess somebody has to do it. Nowadays, they'd probably send drones and to do it because I mean all the gases and everything that they inhaled probably didn't do them too much good mm. either but yeah. um, in terms of yeah just 
cinematography, it's really well done. Oh, I mean, fantastic. it's a mixture of I animated mean, what, and... about four-fifths of that film is uh, volcanic explosions yeah, and yeah. the fire and the lava flowing Yeah, out you don't and, need to go and, and do an experience this... it for yourself, really. No, not after <laughs> seeing that, no. <laughs> not that you'd want to. No, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, but it's, it's um, but the fascinating thing is that this is a... They meet a young woman... A man. Mm-hmm. They fall in love. They fall in love. But the, what attracts them to each other is that they have exactly both the same fascination and a serious side of um, the whole thing also with volcanoes. Yes. They, but they want to study them. They want to get the perfect photography of them and every aspect of And they of, find a way to do it. Yes. Make money out of it. This, yes, yes, I did. I mean, both <laughs> they with, financed yeah, it. Movie all. cameras and still photos, yeah. and these were always being published, and uh, they made good money out of that sort of thing So you could almost too. argue that they were the Jacques Cousteau of the exactly. volcanic world. Yeah, well, Cousteau was the underwater version <laughs> of the <laughs> volcanic <laughs> And he also French. But all yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So mm. this is a subtitled film, um, but it, it is really lovely, and you get to see their marriage. I mean, it's also a recording of their life together yes, in a way and how yes. well they work together and their ups and downs, as, as um, and, Maurice mm. says, it's a very volcanic relationship. <laughs> and, and, and of course, it is known by the audience. Right from yeah, the pretty much straight that's, away. That yes, this is their last uh, these day. two are going to die together also yeah. doing. Yeah, that's not a plot their spoiler. Work follow, at no, all. No, 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 it's not because you, it's in the I, open. I, I doubt if anybody could ever go and see that film without knowing that. No, I think it's in the opening paragraph of the film anyway, the narration. She mm. starts off by saying, This is their last day. But what is amazing? Yes, you're right. Yeah. But what is amazing is just the footage. I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, nature documentaries and stuff, and and this stuff just blew me away. It was just amazing what they oh, did. Oh yes, and on and for and the times on. as well. I mean, this is and, the fifties and sixties and seventies. Yeah, and I don't know how they managed to get around like they do. I mean. Um, the, 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 who paid for well, it? Well, Osh would definitely it, have a thing or two to say about some of the stuff that they get up to. Um, there's not much. No, I mean, but, they make know, their own helmets and stuff to make yeah, it. But you know. but to get into where do they get all those planes? I mean, they they'd be in Japan. They'd be out in the yeah. Pacific Islands well, they or kind somewhere. Of, they'd be in Europe. They're in, all over Asia. They're all everywhere. They did become experts in their field, so they were yeah. the first and they were people called. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and then of course. Um, yeah, you know, you, there are. I've got some quotes here from both of them, and this is like the woman. She says, Katia, yeah. Uh, "Yeah, I want to get closer, right into the belly of the volcano. It will kill me one day, but that does not bother me at all." That's what she. Mm. Oh, that's actually I'm Maurice. Proud, says that's, that. that's that's Maurice that said that. Yeah. yeah. So Maurice said that, and then Katia, his wife, she said at some other stage, "It's not that I flirt with death, but at the moment, I don't care at all as long as she can get close to those volcanoes." Yeah, it's almost like they inhaled so much sulfuric acid that it addled their brains. Possibly, I don't know. Um, it became, it definitely became an addiction for them, and it's just wonderful. As I said, it's it really takes you out of your own life and and into someone else's. It is a very good documentary for doing that, putting you in the other person's shoes. Yes, and I mean, living sim- it for a while through their their life. Mm. Yeah, your sympathy is with them, and I, quite I have quite an admiration for what mm. they've achieved. 
But uh, for, for actually wanting to go, uh, I don't think I'd set my... No, no. My, uh, <laughs> I'm quite happy watching at, it from, at the, risk. from the cupboard of the cinema. <laughs> the Thank off you chance very much. of getting a, a good <laughs> photo of a volcano. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, but this is it. I mean, that, the, the, this... The, you know, they, they, they were such a fascinating couple because uh, they were both, they were oddballs by my, any standards. Yeah. Anybody who chooses to do such a thing, yes. Yeah. But you can do that and also be a visionary and an explorer, as a, a serious scientist in understanding exactly what you're watching and yep, uh, seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 of course, crazy daredevils, all of this, all <laughs> at the same time. And uh, that's quite somebody. <laughs> Thank goodness there are people in the world like that, otherwise we wouldn't have the scientific breakthroughs that we do. I but, think. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you've just... mentioned Jacques Cousteau, the underwater guy. He, he, yeah. he did similar things. I mean, their yeah. contribution to science and understanding of the world is, is amazing. Mm. Yep. Okay, then. That's well it. worth seeing. Absolutely. Yep. Good. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Fire of Love. And I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday. You can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website. That's plainsfm.org.nz. (laughs) 